So you've got this kid full of dreams, hopes and ambitions, needs money. I mean, he said, hey, Dad, listen, uh, I want to go and do some traveling or go buy a house. Can I have my inheritance now? I might think, well, you're a bit of an arrogant, entitled person. I don't know if that's ringing any bells with you, personally or not. But it sort of does with me. Bottom line, he wants what he wants, and he wants it now. Welcome to the third of the three stories in the lost chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 15, story of a sheep, a coin, and a lost son. Two short stories, one long story. This is the long one. We won't take too long on it, but we'll just hit some of the high points of it because it's really actually quite an epic tale in its own right. It'll make a brilliant film. So I'm going to tell you the story. Feeling footloose and frisky, a feather-bained fellow forced his fond father and faithful family to fork over the family finances. Fleeing far to foreign fields, he frittered the family fortune on flamboyant finery and frivolous festivities. Furnished by newfound yet faithless friends. Finally, the flutter finished. Fleeced by his fellows in folly and finally facing famine, he found himself a feed flinger to filthy four-legged fatbacks in a foreigner's farmyard. Famished, he would have fain filled his frame with the fragments left by the foraging fatties. Fooey, he finally thought. Father's farm is far fancier, and field hands fare finer there. Frustrated by failure and filled with foreboding, Forthwith he fled the foreigner's farmyard and forged forth towards the family's farmland. From far away, the faithful father focused on the feckless figure, a forlorn fugitive. Father flew to him, fondly flinging his forearms around the feeble figure. Falling to his father's feet, the feckless fiend cried, Father, I have flunked. I have fruitlessly frittered the family fortune and forfeited the family's favor. But forestalling any further fretting, 
the father flagged down a field hand and said, Find, fetch forth the finest fatling. The feast must start. Unfurl the flags. Let the fanfares flourish. Let family feasting finally flow. Why? The fugitive is found. Let folly be forgiven. <laughs> Let failure be forgotten. And forgiveness form the foundation for future family, fatherly fortitude. The prodigal son Luke 15. Now I've heard people talk about this a lot of times and if you've been around church very often or seen any religious programs you probably have too and sometimes what I've heard it preach, preached about I've heard people say that basically this kid is wanting his dad to be dead uh, because he wants his inheritance now but I think that's just a way too big a leap like if my son came to me and said hey dad listen uh, I want to go and do some traveling or go buy a house can I have my inheritance now I might think well you're a bit of an arrogant entitled person but doesn't mean he wants me dead and that's what I think about this story this this kid is is he's entitled um, arrogant full of the 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 get up and go of of a young man his dad's old he thinks he has all the advantages of age clearly knows more than his dad who's amassed the fortune in the first place and wants his share so that he can go and do his own thing bottom line i think he doesn't want his dad dead but he wants what he wants and he wants it now don't know if that's ringing any bells with you personally or not but it sort of does with me uh, I want what I want and I want it now I'm, I'm not very patient and we live in a culture that's not very patient uh, we live in a culture that that used to used to in McDonald's give you a free burger if you didn't get your fast food inside a minute from ordering at the order point they had to stop doing that because they had to give away too many free burgers. But that's the culture we live in. And that is the setting of this story, right? And remember, it is a story. In fact, when you read in, in um, verse 11 of Luke 15, it says this, to illustrate his point further, Jesus told them another story. This is not a fact. It's not a historical event. It's a story illustration that, that he wants to illustrate something with. So the details of the story that will hit on the high points, I think are quite interesting and applicable to the 21st century right now. So you've got this kid full of dreams, hopes and ambitions, needs money um, and gets money from his dad, gets him to sell a family farm and divide his inheritance and he takes it. And he goes off and he invests 
every single thing that he has in his own lifestyle and his own way of doing things, surrounded by his own friends, his own way, living his own truth. And he is 100% invested in this. This isn't somebody who's just doing it for a hobby. He's taking everything that he's going to get in life and he's plugging it into this formula, hoping that it's going to scratch everywhere that he's itching. So it's going to give him exactly what he wants out of life. And that's what he's doing as a young man on this. And he takes what, what took his dad a lifetime and maybe generations to build and he burns through it in a few months. <laughs> he, just, he just zooms through it. And in the middle of the zooming through it and burning through his money, a global crisis hits. It, this could have been written in 2020. It wasn't. It was written 2,000 years ago. But it's so current. It's unbelievable. So, like... He gets this global crisis that happens. Now, for him, it's not a plague, although they had loads of those in those days. Um, and it's not a, an illness. It's not a global pandemic. But, but this global crisis that he faces is a famine. Now, it was global for where he was. So in the story, the global view is this, this massive famine. He can't self-help his way out of this. This is beyond his control. Now, again, sort of ringing personal bells for me, and it might be for you. This is not a circumstance that he finds himself in where, where suddenly he can, he can go on his lifestyle gurus forum and, and, and download the latest advice that's going to help him. It's, it's, it's too big for an unanswered internet thread, right? He, you, you can't emoji your way out of this doesn't matter how many crying and sympathy emojis he gets. It's not going to help him. And I meet people like that all the time who, who send out these help messages on, on Facebook and, and, and on, on text and, and all they get back is a, a sympathy emoji. I don't need sympathy. I need help. And we live in a world where people don't just need sympathy. They need real answers. Real answers with some historical background to them. Real answers that have had legs for centuries. Not, not something that's going to be in fashion for 10 or 15 minutes and then be out of fashion. Not some passing fad answer. They need something that's going to stand in the toughest storms of life. And that's what this guy needed. And he couldn't find it anywhere. Why? Because everything that he'd invested his life in suddenly is of no value. His friends desert him. He's on his own. He's starving to death. But he finds a job. Good man. He actually goes out and finds a job. Why? Because there's no Serb payments. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no handouts. There's no social security. So he finds a job. Now, that helps him for a little bit. And he'll, he'll do a job that he hates rather than face the choice. So he, now in his cultural setting, think of this, he, the, the Bible tells us that he, that, he, that he finds a job 
feeding pigs. This is a Jewish kid feeding the uncleanest animal that you can imagine for his culture. And it says that as he looks at the pigs eating the food pods and the scraps and the filth that he's feeding them, he would gladly eat the pig's food. Now, to us, we think, oh, he must have been hungry. To the people that Jesus is telling this story to, they, they're thinking, are you, are you crazy? He would eat pig's food? It's just unthinkable for their culture. But that's what he does. And like I said, he would rather do that job that is totally against everything he's ever been brought up and believes in. Totally against every single cultural standard that he has himself. He would rather do that than humble himself and go back to his father. Now, this isn't like a modern story, right? So there's no abuse mentioned in this. This is not an abusive household that he's running away from and ended up on the streets. This is a wealthy household where he's being cared for and looked after. Whereas, where his father respects him enough to actually give him his half of the inheritance and also respects him enough to allow his son to make his own mistakes and also allow his son to live by the consequences of those mistakes. Now there's the thought. He allows, he respects his son enough to allow him to make his own mistakes and live by those consequences. Now, there's a pivotal verse in the middle of this story. Uh, it's, it's quite a staggering thing, really. It says this. It's, it's where the whole thing tips, like it's a seesaw point, right? It's this pivotal verse, and the pivotal verse is this. Let me read it to you, because I want to get it right. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. This is what it says. After all the, all the stuff that happened, I'll read from verse 14. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and he was sent to the field to feed pigs. You see, I'm not making any of this up. The young man became so hungry, he would even eat the feed pods given to the pig, pigs. But no one gave him anything. See, I'm not making any of this up. It's right here in the story. Verse 17, listen to this. Finally, he reaches a point. When he finally came to his senses, bing, right there. He finally came to his senses. We would call this in our way of looking at things, he hit rock bottom. He'd actually hit rock bottom a long time before this. He's feeding pigs. Rock bottom. He finally comes to his senses. Now, why would that happen? Why in the middle of all of this adventure, where everything's gone wrong, where everything he's invested his time and his life in has crumbled, why would he suddenly come to his senses? Well, the Bible tells us this. Now, this weekend, traditionally, is the weekend that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit after Jesus' resurrection and just before he ascended, and after his ascension, um, the Holy Spirit comes on the new church, the disciples. 
The Bible says that the Holy Spirit draws human beings to God. You might wonder, actually, why you keep looking at religious and Christian stuff on the web. You might wonder, why on earth am I sitting there uh, listening to this guy sitting by a lake in a, in a wooden shack? Like, why am I doing that? Well, maybe the Holy Spirit drew you here today. Maybe he's been drawing you for a while. And this young man has been drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit back to the Father. And, and he, he finally comes to his senses. Now you've got to understand something. This young man has sold his life to this idea. This young man has sold his life to the adventure. He has sold his life to living the way he wants to live. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, every job that we have, people pay us a certain amount of money per hour of our life. So if you're going out and you're, and you're, and you're building something, somebody might say, hey, we'll give you, we'll give you 15 bucks an hour. They are buying that one hour of your life for $15 or $20 or $40. Or if you're really well qualified and got a great job, it might be upwards of 60 bucks an hour. I don't know. Hey, if you're a welder in Alberta, it can be 150 bucks an hour. So you sell an hour of your life to your employer. This young man has sold his life into keeping his personal dream alive. Suddenly he realizes and comes to his senses. But it's not over. There's, there's still a long journey ahead. But because th this, is what it, this, is the, this is the realization he comes to. Now listen to this. Because it's important. The realization he comes to is this, is I can either stay here and starve of hunger. I can stay here and die. Or I can go back to the Father. Bottom line, that's the choice. I can stay here and die. Or I can go back to the Father. Man, that's a humbling point to reach in your life. And he comes to his senses and he decides to humble himself and go back and apologize to his dad. Now listen, got to look at this because it's important. The sheep knew that it was lost, but it didn't know the way back. The coin... Didn't know anything. Didn't know a thing. No clue at all. Didn't know it was lost. Didn't know it was found. Didn't know it was being searched for. But there was a searcher. There's a searcher with the sheep and there's a searcher looking for the lost coin. You might be wondering, why is the father not out searching for the son? Why is the father not out looking for this kid? Well, the answer is quite obvious, really. The kid knows he's lost. He knows where he's gone. He knows what he's done. And 
This is the point. He knows his way home. Now listen, this is incredible. He comes to his senses, decides, he writes this whole speech. Read it in the story, it's wonderful. He says, he, he practices his whole speech. You can almost imagine him walking down the road, practicing the speech as he's going. Uh, like over and over and over in his head, like, Dad, okay, I've let everybody down. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just take me back into the house as a slave. Like, take me back, but please feed me. Like, keep me alive at least. Like, and he's practicing this speech. And the, the, the story says this, that while the son was far off, the father saw him coming and ran. Isn't that a great thought? It, I the father he's looking he all this time his son's been miss, missing he's standing in the lookout and he's looking waiting waiting for him to come back he knows the way home he knows the way he knows what's the right thing to do and if he reaches the point where he humbles himself he'll come back and the moment the moment the lost son starts turning towards home and and the dad sees him walking down the road he he runs to him i get this incredible picture at this point in the story, that God is standing there waiting for me to come to my senses, to humble myself and admit that I can't do this on my own. That the very things that I've sold my whole life to actually don't fulfill me. And I come to my senses and I, and I, and I go home. After answering the question, I, I can either sit here and die or I can humble myself and go home. Which am I going to do? You know, the amazing thing to me is this. Loads of people decide to just feverishly struggle on to produce liveliness in their life rather than humble themselves and run to the Father. Like what if God is waiting and the moment that we turn towards him, he runs to us and grabs us and embraces us and, and welcomes us home to be with him. Not, not in heaven, on this earth. This is a earth-based story. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a living relationship with the father here on earth. And as he gives this incredible story, I just, I just think, I like, why, why do I wait so long? Why is it so hard for me to humble myself and ask God for help? I mean, it, it's pretty clear in crises that I don't have the answers, that my self-help gurus are not going to cut it. Like I said before, I can't emoji my way out of this. Not going to work. Run to the Father. Why? Because the Father's running to me. More importantly, he's running to you. He's running to us. If we come to our senses, the Father is waiting and he runs to us. Now, I don't know where you are, like I say most weeks. I don't know what circumstances you're facing. I don't know what tragedies have happened. But I know in all our lives that we do face crises. And I know because of these stories 
that God is waiting for us to humble ourselves and turn to him. So I want to pray for us this morning and, and today, whatever time of day you're listening to this. I want to pray for us that we would have the courage and the guts and the humility to turn to the Father. So Father, in Jesus' name right now, because your son told this story, I ask you to, to give us the humility to allow the Holy Spirit to draw us to the Father. Father, I want to come to you this morning and say, I cannot do this on my own. Forgive me. Forgive me for the way that I've lived in the past. Forgive me for my arrogance and forgive me for my scheming and for my abuse of your generosity. Forgive me. And Father, welcome me home. Forgive me and welcome me home. Jesus' name, we together pray this. Amen. You know that one of the wonderful things is this. Jesus says to his disciples this one day. He says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. <laughs> I have no reason to expect to be accepted as anything less than a slave. But God calls me and you his friends. If we turn to him, we humble ourselves and we say sorry. Hey, or we can stubbornly refuse in our futility live out our lives and die. Run to the Father because he's running to you. Bless you. Thanks for listening. It begins with openness, the willingness to come alongside someone else, to pour out, care, invest. It's about sharing the journey, doing life together, growing, forging, becoming. It's about selflessness, caring enough to walk through the valley even when it's painful. To love people as Christ has loved us. It's rejoicing when they rejoice, hurting when they hurt, being a hand, an encourager, a friend. We were not created to wander alone. For as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. my